Welcome to Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. I am your host, Jennifer Ann Gordon, the author of the Kindle Award-winning horror and suspense novel, Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, as well as the Hotel series, and Pretty Ugly. Joining me today, as always, is my Vox Vomitous vixen, Alison Martine, authoress of the Bourbon books, which include Dibs since September and Move on Melinda. With us today, all the way from Folsom County Prison, is Amber Garza. <laughs> Talking about her new book, Where I Left Her. And no, she's not actually in the prison, but... <laughs> about this far. This far. This far. Amber, welcome to the show. Uh, tell our viewers a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your new amazing twisty book, Where I Left Her. Yes. Hi. Thank you for having me, you guys. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> so my name is Amber Garza, and I am... Um, the author of two thrillers, When I Was You, which came out last August, and then Where I Left Her, that came out this August. I've been writing since forever. <laughs> I self-published and indie-published for years, but with When I Was You, I switched to thrillers and got my first big five deal, so it's been a dream come true. It's been so Ooh. exciting. <laughs> and when you were doing the indie published and self-published stuff, when we looked you up, you were writing more romance stuff. Is that correct? I was, yeah. Okay. Mostly so young like, adult romance. Uh-huh. Yeah. I feel like you were in a way kind of a hybrid of Allison and I, because <laughs> I write like thrillery, dark stuff. And Allison writes uh, literary science fiction, speculative fiction, but she also writes romance. Okay. <laughs> Very cool. I do not write romance. <laughs> so what made you, like, so how, how did the switch happen? Were you always a thriller, you know, fan and you just were writing in other genres? Or did you get told everybody's buying domestic suspense, that's what you should be writing? <laughs> no, I actually, I always loved mysteries. Like growing up, I read all Nancy Drew, you know, and then I went into Mary Higgins Clark as a high schooler, you know, so I always loved the mysteries. Um, but I kind of fell into the young adult romance actually is what happened. I like went back in 2012, a lot of people were indie publishing. A lot of friends of mine were doing that and they were finding a lot of success in the young adult genre. And so, and in particularly romance, which I think is for indie, I think that is a really good niche to hit if you can find a good romance readership and so I went into that because I wanted to start to make money with my writing I've been writing for years and just you know swimming and rejection letters <laughs> so I wanted to just see if I could maybe try that route and I loved it I mean it was so fun I met so many great people I have so many amazing fans from that and amazing author friends there's so many great indie books out there and indie authors out there but my biggest problem with it was, one, I did get a little tired of writing the romance after so many because, you know, I was like, I really want to try my hand at a thriller. And then, two, I always wanted to see my book in a bookstore. <laughs> it was like, yeah. was just something I dreamt of always. <laughs> and then, three, was just like the job security. Every year it was like, who knew? <laughs> you know, one year I would do well, the next year I wouldn't. And there wasn't always like a rhyme or reason for that that I could find. And so I thought, you know, I just need to try. And so um, I had had this idea for a domestic suspense novel for like 10 years, but I always, I guess, had a lot of self-doubt and didn't know if I could pull it off. And I love 
anything psychological thriller, like I eat them up. And so I would read these and think, man, these authors are so incredible. I don't know if I could do this like mind bending and then, you know, flip the whole thing on its head. The twist. Like, the, twist. the twist. The twist. Knowing who did it. You know, right. all of these things. <laughs> yeah. So I just didn't know if I could do it, but I finally got to a place where I'm like, okay, like I've, I'm just going to write this and see if I can do it. And then as I was writing it, it was working. And then I thought, I think I might have something. And so then I decided to try to try to get an agent and I did and get a book deal. And I did. So that <laughs> was pretty amazing. Yay. So was that the first of the thrillers or the domestic suspense books that you wrote? Was that the one that you both got an agent with and got the book deal with? Yes. Mm -hmm. oh, <laughs> in front of you. For oh. people who are watching who go, well, yes, that's how it works. No, generally it doesn't. It's really common to sign with an agent for one book and then either mm -hmm. have to go through two or three books till one actually gets picked up or two or three agents until a book deal happens so that it happened your first date out. I mean, clearly you've been polishing your writing with the other genre and that transferred over right. and an idea that was like 10 years in the making. Right. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel like the indie publishing, it, it really taught me to become a good storyteller. I feel like if you look back at my books at the beginning and then look back and then look at now, I've come so far. And I think there is something to that, like learning what readers like and learning to write for the reader, not for getting published or not for the agent or yeah. the publishing house. And, you know, and, it's so hard and learning what works and what doesn't. Those things. It's, you know, like, um, so... Allison and I are both indie published, but we're also like hybrid authors, okay. like who, like, you know, we're I've all got, over the map. We're all over okay. the map. So it's like, you know, books out on sub, having an agent, writing something that my agent wants me to write, um, that I wanted to write, but I'm like, not knowing how, because for years <laughs> I've been like, oh, I'm just like doing this because I'm an indie author and I'm going to like write like these weird things and it doesn't matter if it like fits on a shelf. <laughs> and now I'm just there like, be a real shelf because there's not gonna be a shelf <laughs> it's just a virtual shelf and all books fit on a virtual shelf mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so you were obviously very involved in the indie community as an author and you had a fan following did you get any pushback from the indie community when you decided to like go traditional I did not no I'm still friends with all my same author friends there um my readers understood. I feel like if anything, I got just so much encouragement and everyone was so excited. And, you know, I think, I think we all realize that we forge our own path. Right. And, you know, there are some of my indie author friends that, you know, want to maybe go my same path and are trying to do that now, but a lot of them are doing great where they're at and they're so happy where they're at, but they, those friends of mine knew that I was wanting something different. And so they've been so encouraging that I made that happen for me. And I am encouraging of the fact that they're going strong with what they're doing. So I find that the book community overall is just a really inclusive, really encouraging place yeah. to be. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's been my experience too. And I've, I've got friends who are traditionally published, those who are indies, those who are hybrid. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody's just like, find what works for you. And we're here to back each other up. And right. it's yeah. not like, oh, well, you shouldn't go that way because you're betraying the indie community right. or anything like that. And I know some, some people, for them, they are very much so diehard indie and don't have positive feelings towards the traditional industry. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it necessarily translates to and I wouldn't want that for you then. Like they understand exactly. that maybe it's not their path, but they 
still are encouraging on someone else's path if that's the right. route they want to take. Yeah. Do so you think it was easier for you because you were also switching genres? So you weren't like, oh, this romance isn't going to go straight to you guys. This is going to go through this channel. And you were also then like making a new name for yourself as mm -hmm. thriller author Amber Garza versus YA romance author. Yes, I think that definitely helped. And I even think, you know, I know some of my readers that haven't followed me over. They're still just, re they're still just you know, telling people about my young adult because that's what they liked. Or they really don't like to read thrillers. They like romance. So that's fine, too. Um, I don't know if I ever have plans to go back to writing that. So I sometimes feel bad about that to those readers. Oh, like you've abandoned them and you're like, no, bye, guys. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> but no, I, I think that did make it a lot easier, yes. Did you ever think about changing your name and doing a pen name to have like, to have a very clear brand break? Jen's looking at me while she's saying this. I'm not. I'm actually, I, you know, <laughs> I know you always think I'm thinking about you, but I always, I'm weirdly thinking about Mary Burton all the time, who's an amazing oh, thriller writer, yeah. okay. but she also writes romance under a different name. Mm. So I always think of her and both of her brands are very successful, but they're two different brands. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was something that I discussed, not with the agent I chose, but when I did my agent calls, because I got several offers of representation, and one of the agents had mentioned that she would probably pitch me as a pen name, and so that's what made me start thinking mm. about it, like, would I do that, would I not, and I really didn't care. I really would have done whatever they asked me. <laughs> I will say, honestly, though, I'm glad that they did not ask me to do that, because it's really cool to see my name on a bookshelf in a bookstore. Like, because I had dreamt of it my whole life, to see it in my actual name has been really exciting. And having people that I haven't seen in years, like, oh my gosh, is this your, you know, getting in touch with me. This is you, you did it. <laughs> and that, I wouldn't have had that had I been under a pin name. Yeah. And I think for my book that kind of, you know, was with a big five publisher on a bookshelf, I wanted my name, but... All that to say, I would have been fine with changing it if I had, if they had wanted me to. I, I feel like we're, we're all in break this. with like my, my website and yeah. kind of where I went going forward. I think it's pretty common for people to write in lots of genres nowadays too. Yeah. So I don't think I'm alone in that. Exactly. That has helped. <laughs> and well, I think and I, we're I, all on the same page. It's like, I would just, like, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just surprised that they, that they actually suggested it because I think usually it's, it's they would want to capitalize on anything you already had going for you. I know the reason I thought Jen was referring to me is because I intentionally am using different variations of my name. So I actually do see my name either way because I, I Alison Martine is my romance name and it's my first and middle name. And when I write for literary and for science fiction and fantasy, I do A.M. Hubbard, which is okay. my first initials and my last name. So it's all still me and it's, and I, you know, I'm not right. ever trying to hide who I am, but right. they were like genre distinctions. And then it's almost like a branding for this type of book for me is this kind. And if you see this name, it means it's this kind, like just right. a, a quick banner there. But I, I'd forgotten that Mary Burton has those different names, but I don't know what's the other name that she publishes under. I can't remember because I've only read her as Mary Burton. Because <laughs> oh, I've only go. read the thrillers. I've only read the thrillers. <laughs> and everybody's only ever read Amber Garza because there is no pen. Well, okay, if we would have done a pen name on the spot now, what's your pen name? <laughs> Make one up. I have thought of it, and I would probably do my maiden name Hopkins. And I thought of the same thing as you. I thought I could do A for Amber and M mm -hmm. for Michelle, which is my middle name. So A M Hopkins. Yes, I thought of good it. Initials. But <laughs> Those are good. Like your good good names are yeah. would have been almost the same. 
I am We would have been, we would have been next buddies. to each other on the we show. We would be. Yes. Well, but no, because you're over in thrillers and I couldn't write a thriller to save my life. So oh, we would okay. not be on the same shelf there, but maybe in the maybe library, in, in the library, maybe. like mine, a small library a sticker <laughs> and they don't actually bother sorting by genre other than large print <laughs> for people who can't see. Um, yeah. Then, then they're, you just, I look for like the little tiny wizard or the little tiny spaceship to see fantasy or science fiction. Like we can't separate this out. And they're like, no. All right, fine. Maybe it's better at the Folsom Prison Library. I don't know what you guys have there. <laughs> the prison library. <laughs> the prison library. <laughs> We're really fancy over here in the prison library. Yeah, live from the prison library oh and Bagarza. Um, so I, I'm going to go back to something you said, and you said it as a kind of a throwaway line, a joke, but we all feel this in our soul. You said like you were drowning in a sea of rejection letters. Mm-hmm. We've, we're, um, all writers have been there. And I feel like readers are like, well, it can't be that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It is I that wish bad. this were vodka. <laughs> I wish this was yeah, I wish all the water was vodka. Um, how did you, because you obviously um, were, you know, plugging at it for a long time. How did you keep going with the rejection? Did you ever get bitter and say, ah, this isn't for me? Or did you just like always know in your soul that this was what you were meant to do? Oh, I for sure had moments where I was like, I can't do this anymore. I really remember year right before I self-published, I had a weekend. This was so weird. It was a holiday weekend and I got three rejection letters that in the weekend. Oh, on a holiday mean. weekend. Mean. Thanks for catching up on your backlog. Yeah. And I just oh, was what like, holiday dare I ask? Go away day. It was like just where you just have the one one day like off. So day. I don't know. Whatever Labor we day, did maybe? Monday. Labor you know? Day. Labor yeah. Day, something. I mean, it was so silly, but it was just weird, right? And I just remember breaking down and crying to my husband, and I'm like, I just, I don't think I can do this anymore. Like, it's just too hard. Like, maybe this just isn't my path, and I think I'm going to quit. And I remember him saying, like, so by quitting, do you mean you're going to quit writing? And I was like, of course not. <laughs> I love to write. And he goes, so by quitting, you just mean you're not going to try to be published? And I'm like, yeah. And he was like, if you can't quit writing, <laughs> like if you love it that much, then you need to keep going. And, and at that point, that's when I decided like a month after that to self-publish because I just was like, you know, I need a break from the rejection. <laughs> I needed yes. to just like at least try something where people would be reading my work. And even if it wasn't a lot of people, at least, you know, I would get some type of positive feedback or I'd be moving in a forward direction. I just felt like I needed to try something different. Yeah, no, and I, like, it definitely does put you in a direction to be like, I'm going to self-publish because mm -hmm. I've done it, Allison's done it, where you're just like, okay, we're going, like, I'm not not writing. Right. And and I think, you know, I self-published because I was like, I didn't want to hear no again. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it, it's like it chips away at you. And that book that I heard no about is the one that went on to like win an award, oh, like wow. a decent award and has done like indie well, indie well. Yeah. whatever yeah. that means. It's done no well for me. Uh, nobody knows what that means. But um, <laughs> so I just remember thinking like, I went back and forth going, oh, should I have queried this longer? Should I have tried to get a bigger deal with it? Um, but then I realized my entire career in air quotes would be completely different had I not self-published. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
Yeah. And I think that there's a lesson in there too. Like, I mean, I think even agents would say this, rejecting a book doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. They could just have something like that. You know, there's a lot of reasons it gets rejected, but when you're on this end, it just feels like, Oh my God, my book is bad. Right. (laughs) It's just a hard thing to kind of shift your mindset to be like, okay, keep going, keep going. Maybe they did like it because you don't know. (laughs) You don't know. Because I remember getting like one very specific rejection letter. Well, I remember all of them, but one, (laughs) (laughs) one that was just like, I loved it but I can only sign two clients a year. Mm. And, and it, and it was like the first week of January. So like, <laughs> and it, so it was like, it's a long year and I don't know if I love it enough to like sign one author right now mm. and then be like, I've got 365 more days and I can sign only one other person. Right. Yeah. That, I know it's, it's, it is a hard business. <laughs> Thick skin. Well, was, your, was your experience then querying as a thriller writer very different from querying as a romance author? I mean, it's hard to say because, I mean, obviously it was very different because it actually worked this time for me. But there's that. But I mean, it's also a different time <laughs> in your career and also being able to point out, hey, I have, I'm not sure whether in your query you included, I have been a successful author already in this other genre as a self-published author. I know sometimes people are split about whether or not you include that. Some systems like basically ask straight out, have you published a book before? So you can't hide it in if you wanted to. Um, But then also put it in my query letter. And yeah. And then I will say that my agent that I have now has never seen that. I mean, she point blank told me she never saw that as a draw. I always thought maybe they'd see it as a drawback. Like you look at my sales, you see that I'm like, doing decent but not (laughs) nothing to write home about and she said she never saw that as a drawback I knew the business I knew what people liked I knew the marketing piece I knew all the sides of this business and she saw that as an asset yeah I think and it is an asset that they don't want to know that about you but I don't think agents are looking at self-published authors and thinking that's not good I think they see us as businesswoman as competent as knowing this business we have things to offer because of our experience. Yeah, I agree. Um, So like I signed with my agent because she was close to queries, but she's also a best-selling author. It's Paula Mounier. Everyone, Paula Mounier. Shout out, shout out out to Paula. Um, Sometimes she like pops in and she's like, hey. Um, (laughs) If Paula's listening. If Paula's listening, hey Paula. Um, But I had wanted to query her so bad, but she was close to queries. But then I had a book and I sent her a message and I was like, would you consider blurbing my book? Okay. Didn't even think that she would be open to queries or anything. She read the book, loved it. And this is a self-published book. And then messaged me and she's like, who's your agent on this? And I was like, I do not have one. (laughs) Are you interested in the job? Uh, I was like, but if you're, if you're ever open to queries again, I'd love to query you. And then she said, let's have a meeting. And at that point I was like, I don't know what that means. And I remember texting Allison like right away. The number away. of messages I got going, I don't know what she wants. I mean, she's she's not calling to insult you. Whatever it is will be good. Right. We don't know specifics, <laughs> but it's good. But it, it was just weird because she was like my dream agent for years. Mm. And I'm like, oh, my dream agent. She's close to queries and always will be forever. <laughs> and now she's my agent. So, Aww, it's, so it's cool. Still weird. It's so cool. But, um, but yeah, so sometimes it just happens when you're like, mm-hmm. Oh, I wasn't really expecting that. So, right. 
So especially like, so you went from YA romance to Mm -hmm. thriller. That's a huge jump. Right. (laughs) Um, Did you, did you know like part of you, like in your heart of hearts when you wrote that first thriller that like, this is it, this Mm -hmm. is going to be in Barnes and Noble. I did. I felt, I mean, I think like I was saying, I think that's why it's hard to know if this experience was different because I think I grew so much as a writer and I think by the self-publishing, I learned how to write a good hook and a good blurb. And so I knew I had a strong query. Like I knew that right away and I knew I had a good hook with it. And yeah, I think, I think when I started querying, I had, I had a lot more hope (laughs) that I would find someone this time. I think I would have been more surprised had it not happened for me this time. Even though I was shocked when it did, I think I was less shocked than I would have been 10 years ago, you know? We under- it does. I'm just going to hop on, uh, Laurie Schoenfeld said she was happy to see you make that jump to the thriller side because she's a thriller writer as well. And okay. she loved hearing that part of your journey, Jen, as far as how, th- how that ended up with you and, and Paula. Um, it is funny that you say that, Amber, because I've talked to a lot of different authors and some of them, it's like they're actually surprised at which book is the one that gets them. Like if they were in the query trenches mm-hmm. for a while, because they're like, oh, this is the one that's going to work. And then it doesn't get any bites. And then <laughs> they write one kind of like, eh, I have to do something. And then that's the one that signs their agent. So it's it's interesting how sometimes our instincts lead us astray, but yours were spot on. So <laughs> that's good. How is your writing process different, like writing YA romance versus thriller? Because thriller is like one of my favorite things to read. But like when I think about writing it, I just get like so overwhelmed because I feel like I would need to know what was going on. Right. And you're a pantser. And I'm a pantser. So I'm like, oh gosh, what if I don't know who killed the person? Can I write a thriller? Right. Well, in When I Was You, I wrote it the same as I've written all my books, and I have always been a pantser, so I just wrote it. And it took, like, multiple drafts before, like, the whole first draft, I didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> At some point, I'm like, I probably should Fair. know how this thing's going to end. And so then I had to go back and layer in the second layer once I figured it out. But now that I'm on deadlines and I'm writing one a year, and I have to pitch a different way to my editor as well. Now I will write like a full outline out before I get started. And the pantser thing did not work for me with where I left her. Yeah. I was writing it during a pandemic. At my Which was really fun <laughs> to be writing during a pandemic. Yeah. It was this. just creatively I wasn't there. And the pantser thing was yeah. not working. <laughs> so I learned to outline with that book. <laughs> What's funny, I feel like it was mid-pandemic when I thought to myself, maybe if I wrote an outline, this would be easier because I would know what was going on. Right. (laughs) And I still didn't write an outline because then I, again, I think I messaged Allison and said, like, how do I write an outline? And she was like, I don't know. Well, and I joke, (laughs) the only time I've ever written an outline was for an R&R where I had to do 100 pages of revision and then an outline for the remainder of the book. And the only way I knew how to do the outline was to do the revisions in the remainder of the book and then do an outline of it. So it's like, I'm pretty sure that's, <laughs> that's not what funny. they expected. But then, then the important thing was it was already done and I didn't have to go back and make the revisions because they were already completed. And I'm sure that's right. not what they expected. But, you know, when you're the person who only figures it out by writing it, doing right. the outline is like the magic isn't missing. When I push the button, nothing right. happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, like... It's however the process works for you. Because even like with where I left her, like, you're right. I did an outline while I was writing, but I did one afterwards because in revisions, I'm like, 
I was all messed up on those times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I had to, like, write this giant outline that was across my yes. office wall with, like, okay, 5 p.m., then this p.m. <laughs> yeah, this many I, hours after drop-off. Because, yeah, I was like, so you would need a clock. by all of that. Yeah. Like, it gives, like, gives me chills, like, the blah, 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 after drop-off. I'm like, yes, this is so good. <laughs> but that's why I was like, how did you do it? <laughs> Like, did you need like a serial killer style like yeah. thing? On yes, your wall? it was pretty tedious that part because I was like, I'd go back to it. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is happening before this one. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I kept messing up those times. <laughs> I'm, not, I, I'm not good with that. I can understand you'd need to write it yeah. out and be like, hold on, check the wall. All right, that's right. I'm <laughs> I'm very close to like the end of a a draft of my work in progress, and I'm at that point where I'm like, oh, I've messed up. It all takes place in like one month. And I'm like, wait, when did that person say that? Blah, blah, blah. So I literally just have like a huge chunk of like what I've recently written, like highlighted and and fix it. And there's, I even made the character say, what month is this? Is it August? Is it July? But in my head as a writer, I'm like, (laughs) is it August or is it July? I don't, when is the last time she was at work? I don't even know anymore. (laughs) <laughs> well and do you write in order because i don't and so i do that a oh. lot i'll i'll read the first draft and i'll be like oh she's referencing something i haven't actually said to her but i, <laughs> I wrote it before i wrote this scene <laughs> well and okay so your book is just fabulous and I, i'm trying to figure out how to talk about it without ruining too much is it is it fair to say that where i left her and this i don't think is a spoiler involves a mom who drops off a teenage daughter for a sleepover goes to pick her up and the kid isn't there and nobody's there that she expects to be there. Yeah, it's not even the right house. Right, that's like right the beginning. Um, But then you've got these other storylines woven through that as a reader, we're still piecing together when and who and what all's going on with just Mm -hmm. this cryptic name. And I won't even, I won't even say what that is. That's woven through that. We're like, what, who is this person? Who is this narrator? This is the main character, huh? And, and so I can see how you maybe like write that and then have to weave that through. Right. Because those, you wouldn't want to just dump that somewhere. Right. What was the process? And I wrote all of those, all those like interstitial chapters. Like I wrote those all in one document by themselves. Yeah. And then I had to decide where I wanted to put those in. Yeah. And I've, I've done that before, not in the thing I just finished, but the one before that I had these, those kind of little interstitials and figuring out where they flow best sometimes mm-hmm. really, and what order they yeah. should go in wasn't right. necessarily the order I wrote them in. It wasn't necessarily where they originally were in the document. Cause sometimes I'd have like three or four together just right. because that's where it was in the process of me pantsing my way through things. Right. <laughs> and then like, okay, this one goes here. And some of them ultimately got cut too, but you know, it's one of right. those things where, you you go with where the muse leads you and then later on you figure out muse you don't know what you're talking about you're sometimes the muse, muse is drunk the muse yes. is drunk. Totally drunk the muse is muse. drunk and wandering around muse um, has hopped up on some caffeine um so amber i loved the all the different timelines like the, the two major kind of okay but i also really loved and again i'm trying not to be spoilery um in the there are portions that are written in only italics in your book that seem to be like memories that are just coming back mm-hmm. in the middle of a scene. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I love that so much because I feel like this is how memory actually works. You could mm-hmm. be like walking down the street and then like flooded with something 
and then go right back to the scene. Yeah, those interruptions. Oh, it was so good. So did you, when you were writing this, did you think, did you ever think like, am I making this too complicated? Is there too many things, too many balls in the air? I thought of that a lot. I I was struggling with this book because of that, because there were so many things I needed to tell the reader that at times I got overwhelmed with it. And then that's when I kind of lose my creativity or go through the self-doubt of like, oh no, people are going to hate this. It's so confusing. Is this even making sense? You know, so those were like the agent calls, like talk me down. <laughs> Let's look at this. Um, but once it was all finished and I remember like when we finally got like the final draft and I read through and I'm like, oh, this does actually make sense. But when you're <laughs> it writing works. it, you're like, does it? And, and I'll be honest, I mean, not every book is for every person. And I have read the odd reviews where they they think that there's way too many things. She has too many timelines. I hate her flashbacks. And so I get that. Like I knew there would be those people, but I think overall it worked. And the end, well, it was a lot of stuff that had to happen, but I think it, it pulled together. It <laughs> and really I did. Not, oh, and I won't, I would say, I'm not going to spoil anything here, but there was one thing, like I saw one of the reviews that, cause like Jen, Jen finished after I did and she's like, I finished. Uh-huh. And she's like, did you like, it? I'm like, Oh, I loved it. And we were talking about what we liked. And I said, I saw some reviews that were harping on one particular thing. And, and they said, Oh, this, I can't buy into that. And I'm like, uh-huh. but I know it's actually happened in real life. Cause I know people it's happened to. Uh-huh. It's like, I'll tell you afterwards specifically what I'm talking about. Yeah. But, that's- but we had a long conversation about yeah. that today where we're like, it is believable. <laughs> and those people, but, uh-huh. but you know, different people have different levels of like, if it didn't happen to me specifically, therefore, I don't buy into it, but so right. often in thrillers, um, how often is anybody like uh, kidnapped or murdered or whatever? Right. That's really not most of our experiences. Thank right. God. But you know, so those kind of reviews, you just got to tell them, sorry, you're no fun. Go away. <laughs> right. Well, and there's always like this, there is some like places where, you know, as a writer, you're going to ask the reader to suspend disbelief. You know that, and you have yes. to pick and choose how many of those you can, your reader yes. can't stand. But there has to be places because no thriller would ever work if you, they don't if you work. thought through every single thing. Like, could this really 100% happen? You know, there's always going to be those things or there wouldn't be any plot twists, you know? <laughs> yes. And, and plot twists, I love them. And honestly, I think they work the best when you're like, that couldn't happen. Yeah. Really? Um, as somebody who's recently written a plot twist that I'm like, my God, this right. is like, I have a feeling I will get a lot of people going, that would never happen. And I'm like, right. it could happen. It can, in it fiction, it can happen. It can happen. And, and, it, and it's, sometimes, it's funny because I think sometimes we've had plot twists in our own lives that are like, okay, that's implausible. Like, yeah, but I lived it. So sometimes right. it's that whole like, okay. yeah, I've had weirder things happen to me. That seems, that seems pretty tame there, Jen. You're fine. Yeah. You know? right. Yeah. Life can often be stranger than fiction. You're right. So weird mm-hmm. things happen in real life. <laughs> well, so in your book, you have a mother-daughter relationship. Is any of that based on any of your own experiences, either as being a mom or as being a daughter, or is all of that just drawn from the ether? Oh, are you asking uh, oh. if this is based on the fact that she's wearing a Guns N' Roses t-shirt? Is, <laughs> she, is she a rebellious <laughs> mom? <laughs> I know. I'm like, is she the rebellious mom or the bad teenager? <laughs> I, I'm both, really. I was, a, I was a rebellious teenager for sure. But I actually, I have a teenage daughter. She's 19. 
And I really did. She, she and I have a great relationship, but she's a lot of sass. <laughs> she's always <laughs> been a lot of sass. So for me, it was like a lot of those scenes where she's being extra sassy. Like some of those I pulled like straight from <laughs> yep. my daughter's mouth. The Finsta thing was interesting in researching this book. I found out my daughter had a Finsta. Oh my God. Oh, no, no, and I found a way to stock it for like three months. And then I like messed up one night and said something I shouldn't know. And she found out. And she's so like, oh, Mom, you're anymore. following me. <laughs> well, oh and my so I have, I have three little people and my oldest is just about, she's like days from her 11th birthday. So reading this was terrifying in places <laughs> because it's like this glimpse. I'm like, no, especially because there's a lot of times where there's a reflection back between the relationship where they were tight and going mm -hmm. to swim meets and it's just the two of them. And right. Then it's like, it's like Gilmore girls gone bad. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> who, is, who is this stranger giving me attitude and some of the, some of the kind of get out of jail things like, Oh, well it's a delayed tracking thing. And I walk through the park to come home. Did you not refresh your phone? And right. it's just like, no, like you could hear that voice. Yeah. And I was yes. like, oh. And I feel like I'm not a mom, but I used that tone with my mom a lot. <laughs> and not about cell phones, but I could hear it. And I was like, oh, I was a bad kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And those things with the phones, because I have, so my son's 22 and my daughter's 19. And with both of them, I mean, they both push the envelope a lot with the phones and I do track my kids. Even to this day, I track my kids. So some of those phone things are real, were real conversations as well. My son would do that a lot. I think your phone is glitching, mom. I wasn't worried. I wasn't blah, blah, blah. It definitely just needs, you just, your phone needs to be updated. Oh, you're so old. That kind yeah. of thing. You just don't know how to use that app. Yeah. You don't know how to use an iPhone, mom. God. That's when Amber comes back like, Guns and Roses, still cool mom. You be quiet. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I was doing this before there were cell phones. No, when, our, when our parents had to drive around after us in cars. Right. Yeah, or or back back in my day where it was the pager and it was the whole like, oh, I'm going to page you and then you've got to find a phone to call me back. That kind of thing. Oh, I remember Long those times. days. The 911 pager, you're like trying yep. to find a phone, mm -hmm. <laughs> no. calling your parents collect because you don't have change. Oh my yeah. gosh. I remember oh. doing that from mm -hmm. a, a mall when I was like, <laughs> I went to meet a boy and then of course he didn't show up. And then I had to like call my dad collect to come pick me up. <laughs> oh, and no. he was like, I thought you were at so-and-so's house. And I'm like, crap. About that. About that. She lives at the mall. <laughs> She's, she has moved into the gap. <laughs> it's like, you, you heard me say Abercrombie and Fitch? No, no, no. That's that's my friend's name. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah I remember yet. one time saying I was at a friend's, calling my mom from like a Denny's or something from a payphone. She hung up with me, knew something was wrong, called my friend, and my friend was not prepared. <laughs> like, First no, off, we all know be on the same page me, with your cover And I called again. Oh, I'm, and my mom's like, I'm going to hang up again and call you at the friends. And I'm like, oh, I'm just so yeah. screwed right oh, now. Oh, it's so <laughs> bad when that happens, like, when you do the, like, the cover story of, like, just tell my mom I'm in the bathroom. <laughs> and then it's like, how often are you in the bathroom when your mom keeps calling back? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or if you ever, like, gave them, like, the payphone number, like, yeah, you can just call her parents' house. It's blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They're like, that's not the number I have here. Right. Yeah, see, our kids have no idea what we went through. <laughs> How dumb our lies were when I was like, no, I'm calling from her dad's other line in his home office. Ugh. Right. 
<laughs> mom. Mom. Like clearly at a gas station. <laughs> <laughs> well, Amber, you say you now pitch differently and you've got one book a year. So does that mean you've got another book that's already in the works? And how is that one going for you? So book three is completely done. It's kind of funny. I finished the final edits on it the week before where I left her came out. So it felt really weird, right? Like talking about where I left her and in my mind, I'm all, wait, what book am I on? And so no idea. <laughs> and I'm currently almost done with the rough draft of book four, but book <gasps> three will come out next August. You are a machine woman. You are a machine. <laughs> I right. love it. Edit, promote, release. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, is this other book, are you writing about the other Amber Garza that lives in Folsom County? Because I read your bio and there's like, there's another Amber Garza that lives no, here too. So when I was that's you, book five. That story. Oh, so really? with, when I was you, there's two women in the same town with the same name. One goes missing. The other one might know why. And I took that from my real life experience with this other Amber Garza that we've known about each other for years and years. We've never met. But that's how I got the idea for when I was you was from her. And that's so funny with the names we joke. My my husband's first name is Michael, which is very common. And he found out that his paycheck from the school district was going to some other person who's in the school district because there were two of them in the same school district. And it was like auto paying to him. It's like, oh, we my God, like that money, though. <laughs> it got worked out. But it, the whole wait a second, there's two in the same school district. But you name your kid, Michael, what are you going to get? Yeah. <laughs> Amber, not as common, but based on how old of guessing about you are, there are a lot of Ambers in our generation. That was a right. very fancy, fancy common name. It was, yeah. A, yeah uh, I had friends named Amber and yeah. they were, they were my fancier, cooler friends. Cause mm -hmm. I was a Jennifer. <laughs> so that's just yeah, sorry, like the, <laughs> the lowest common denominator. <laughs> yeah. It's just funny though, with the other Amber Garza, cause I think what made her funny to me was that, Every time someone would say, do you, have you ever met her? And I'd be like, no. And if they knew both of us, they'd be like, oh my gosh, you guys would really get along. You're both blonde. We're only like a year apart. You're both blonde is like how people should get along. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Blonde. Well, I Love guess it. they would say like Together. her personality was kind of bubbly like mine or something, but it was just funny how much they would compare us. And that just made me think like, that's what gave me the idea was like, what if Ooh. two women in the same town with the same name that were similar, like met and wanted each other's lives. That's how like, I love that. it went through my mind. <laughs> so for the one that you just finished a draft on, that's book three and then you're starting book four now. So are these I'm all almost done with the rough draft of book four now? Nice. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And are they all standalone? Yes. Yeah. So book three is called Winnie came home. And it's a widow, and she lives in, like, this giant Victorian home in Midtown, <gasps> Sacramento. You just said Jen's favorite. Oh, like, you said a lot of my dreams. And so she asks her estranged adult son to move back home. Within a month of him being there, two women in the neighborhood are murdered. And she starts remembering, like, disturbing <gasps> behavior he exhibited as a child. So she thinks she's living in her home with a murderer. <laughs> I bow down to you. <laughs> I you love it. My all third one of is the my things favorite. I sure. love. Had it been on a, on an island, I would have been like, "Send me that <laughs> book right now." <laughs> my gosh, like a, living in the house, a Victorian mansion, Victorian house with a possible serial killer who's your like weirdo son. Yes. Yes. And and her house, she believes, is haunted by a little girl who was murdered there years ago. Yes. <laughs> A thousand times, yes. Um, anyways, you just <laughs> that'll be next summer. <laughs> I can't wait that long. <laughs> <laughs>
And all well, of these now. Hopefully I'll get ARC soon, so maybe we'll be in touch. Just uh, like, I'm like, already will be like messaging your publicist tomorrow and just being like, just like <laughs> the second you get that, can it just be in the mail to me? <laughs> right over here. And when you're, when you're doing these now, when you say you've got to pitch them differently now, is that because you've got to do like the full outline for them now, instead of just like, here's a one, one line hook. Yeah. So for when I sold, when he came home, I pitched like the first, I want to say I did like the first 60 pages and then a full outline. And then for book four, I just like my agent just gave them a bunch of blurbs of like potential blurbs for a book four. Then I, they gave me the two book deal based on the book three outline. And then when I started working on book four, I just sent them, I don't think they required it, but I sent my editor a full outline. Cause I just want to make sure like, you're good with where I'm going with this. And yeah. <laughs> tell me now, please. Before I'm tell me now before it's darker, done. So I just want to make sure they're <laughs> everyone's oh. good. Did you say it's darker? I just feel like all my books keep getting darker and darker. <laughs> well, when you start with YA romance. Oh, Jen, oh. Jen sometimes loses stuff at 40. I, I was sure she was going to say when you start with YA romance, you can't help but go darker. But yeah. I was just going to, I was going to joke. I have the same issue with my romances that they each get a little spicier oh, okay. because you can't, you can't back down from that, you know? Right. So Jen, yeah. you, you were saying with, with oh, your I was just, YA, does it get darker I know. each time? Because yeah, it's obviously well, darker than YA romance. Yeah. When you start with YA romance and then it turns into my son might be a serial killer. Like, yeah, it, right. it, it, it's getting darker. <laughs> yes, it took a serious turn. <laughs> it took a turn. Yes, for sure. Well, and and definitely, you have one level of oh, my child might have gone missing, but maybe she's run away. We're not really sure. To my son is a serial killer. Maybe that even there, there's kind of we're taking leaps and bounds. I like it, and I love to write about like the things that scare me, and so you know like your child be missing is scary but there's also like when you raise a child there's always in the back of your mind like what if my child does something horrible like I think it's a fear we probably all have that we don't like to talk about because that sounds a lot it sounds better to just say I'm scared something bad's gonna happen to my child versus my child is something bad (laughs) (laughs) my child will do the something bad to other people yeah exactly well I'm just laughing at your at where your kids feel about this. Like your daughter's like, Oh no, you don't want to lose me. And your son's like, you think I'm a serial killer? Yeah. <laughs> like, Thanks a lot, mom. Now we know who the favorite is. And obviously <laughs> Well, it's funny because like I dedicated the first book to my husband and then the second one to my daughter. And so like natural progression would this one be for Eli. And I actually was laying in bed last night thinking, I should probably ask him if he's cool with this. (laughs) This is to my non-serial killer son, Eli. I would would love you even if you did something horrible. (laughs) For Eli, please do not become a serial killer. Yeah, any of those nothing like the son in this book i swear to any potential love interest yeah. i promise he won't you know he's not holding a sleep. weapon to my throat he's a very good boy i love him very much <laughs> thank funny. you norman bates <laughs> oh but i'm so obsessed with like all like the bates motel and psycho and all of that so it shows i no, I know. I was like, no, that's kind of like that's a cool thing. Like Bates Motel, that was yeah. Bates Motel is still, I believe, listed as my religion on my Facebook profile. Oh, 
Yeah. I was like Bates Motel. Like, you know, yeah. if, uh, if, <laughs> I loved if it. <laughs> people care to know anything about me, that's <laughs> this where I stand. It's what you need to know. <laughs> I think at that you can go, yeah, I don't need to accept that friend request. Like you just, <laughs> you just delete it or you go, yeah, that's somebody I want in my life. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> It'll weed through the people for sure. Mm-hmm. Get your people. <laughs> yeah, my people. That's, that's us. <laughs> yep, it is. Oh, Amber, you have been fantastic. I hate for this to end, but we are out of time. Oh, this has been so fun. <laughs> Amber, thank you for being here. Allison, thank you as always. Thank you to Roman and Pam at the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. This has been a copywritten podcast. Stay tuned next week when we have Wendy Webb. (gasps) Back again, Wendy. Back again with Chardonnay and uh, cardigans. (laughs) She loves those things. All right. We'll see you all next week.